Hey y'all. Um so today's episode, right? Um is with Harvey, one of my followers from Twitter that I got a chance to meet. Um and we talk about a multitude of things. I mean, the topic is supposed to be about um uh like, you know, his fatherhood journey around like having four kids, uh three kids in like 2 years, I think. But um we talk about a myriad uh, uh plenty of topics. Could have been a uh dad talk episode but i wanted to get it out so uh just listen enjoy um and uh yeah hope y'all hope y'all enjoy because this was like a one of the top three episodes uh i've ever recorded like the vibe was amazing all right y'all thank y'all for listening thank y'all for laughing thank y'all for rocking with me man now let's get into the episode you are now listening to an average joe media production As a father, yes, I feel like I'm somebody My life is my kid, so I tell about it And I swear it's all about that Baby daddy, I ain't a baby daddy I ain't a baby daddy Baby daddy Baby daddy, I ain't a baby daddy Welcome to an episode of the Baby Daddy Chronicles. It is I. It is he. It is your future favorite, Baby Daddy. And today, I have another person from the Twitter streets, uh, a follower. And uh, just like last time, um, I didn't know this person was in um, Florida. So here we are, my man Harvey. How we doing today? We doing good. Hey, How's man, I like to hear that, man. I was like, yeah, when I found out you was in uh, you was in Florida and you was a Rattler, I was like, yeah, definitely. I, I, I got to get him on. Like, I, I got to get him on. Yes, I bleed orange and green. So, Always. <sighs> you got a lot of kids, man. It's crazy because I didn't realize it was that many. I was like, all right, I will say it's a, you know, it's a healthy amount. Mm-hmm. But my mom's, my mom's the youngest out of 16. Okay. And then my grandma, it would have been 23, but she had like seven miscarriages in between. Okay. So my what, percent- Seven miscarriages in between? Yeah, seven miscarriages. She oh. was pregnant for a solid 24 years straight. So I'm thinking, you know, four is a lot, like, in the city, mm-hmm. in the grand scheme of things. I'm like, ah, that's probably not that many. Mm-hmm. Until people see me in Publix, that's when I realized, oh, okay, that's, mm. that's a lot. <laughs> Dang. How's your, uh, before we get started, how's your mental health? Mental health, all right, you know. Um, I'm still dealing with the loss of one of my favorite people, my Eunice, which is what one of my daughters is named after. Okay. And so, you know, kind of having kids without the people that you kind of wanted them to meet mm-hmm. is, it's, it's is rough. definitely something to get over. It's rough. Okay, okay. Um, my, my mental health, sorry. I mean, it's my bad. When you when you came, I was knocked out. Like, I was, <laughs> I'd be tired, boy. I'd be working. I was like, whew. I understand. I'd be tired, man. But I'm here, man. So just, I'm doing good, though. That's I can't complain. I don't, I don't have any kids. Though. I can't even imagine having, like, yeah. it, it's not, so with you, right, it's not the fact that you have four. It's just the fact. The oldest is only four. Like, <laughs> yeah, they can't quit. And it's like, 
it's not you, it's everybody. Like, I'd be in the store, and I tell people after I've noticed that they've been staring for a long time, I'm like, if you got any questions, you can just ask. Mm. I, know, I know it look crazy. Mm. <laughs> okay, so episode title is going to be called Lack of, Bliss, Lack of Discipline Leads to a Bunch of Kids. It does. So it if does. your oldest is four, mm-hmm. you first found out you was having a kid at 26? What was your reaction? Well, I didn't believe it at first. Mm. I was just like, all right, you know, it can't be for me. Like, we ain't even been, you know, we ain't even been doing it that much. Like, we just started to be on this level. So how the hell are you already pregnant? Especially because I thought I knew what I was doing. Mm -hmm. I had been in a long-term relationship before her. and We had been together for two years. And we might have used protection like maybe 30% of the time. They mm. never have a pregnancy scare or nothing. If anything, her period would show up early. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I turn around, and she's like, oh, you, you know, I'm late. And I'm like, all right, you know, people be late before. My sister was late last week. Like, how, <laughs> how long are you late? And she was like, oh, you know, I'm about three weeks late. I'm like, damn, you know, I don't think that's normal. Like, <laughs> I don't think that's she normal. She was like, well, you know, that typically means pregnant. I was like, yeah, but don't you got to be having a lot of sex for that to mean pregnant? And she was like, it only can take one time. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, movies for a great romantic comedy, but this is real life. Mm-hmm. Don't you actually got to be like actually enjoying this shit for like a mm-hmm. few months before that mm-hmm. happens? And so we go take a bunch of tests and they are all like screaming pregnant, like mm. dark line and everything. I'm like, damn, what are we going to do? We ain't tell nobody for like the first five months of the pregnancy. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. The first five months. First you kept that from everybody months. for the first five months? You kept that from everybody. The How? What did, okay, what did she start showing? Did she start showing like after you told people? She started showing late because it was her first one. Gotcha. And so she, it was probably like not to the six months where she actually started looking more pregnant. And we don't live near any family. Mm-hmm. So it was like, it was going into summer. So I knew I wasn't going to be seeing nobody mm-hmm. until like close to the holidays. It was her mom who showed up for that surprise visit that was the first red sign mm-hmm. and she was like i swear older women they can smell pregnancy mm-hmm. on any young a mile away mm-hmm. <laughs> and so she just was like oh you know i'm gonna make aki and saltfish um in the morning and while i'm at the store i'm gonna get a pregnancy test for you because i feel like you're pregnant mm. and then my my girl was like you know what you can say your money because we already know what it's gonna say <laughs> <laughs> and she was like y'all y'all ain't even tell me well, we was trying to figure out a plan because this wasn't even our plan. So mm-hmm. how are we going to break this on y'all? And see, when I first met her parents, before we even started doing anything, because she's real proper, super church girl, grew up with mom and dad. So it was a lot of structure where she came from. Mm-hmm. Her dad was cool, but her mom looked at me and was like, yo, y'all don't get pregnant. And I'm just like, that's kind of like, that's kind of like my parents here. Like, that's out of left field. I came up from, <laughs> I came up with a church background. My if I was to get pregnant now, especially me still living at home, my mom would be a lot more upset than my dad. But if I was get if I got somebody pregnant living at home, like I wouldn't be here. I would have yeah. left. I would leave. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So I could take care of my responsibilities. But I definitely feel that. Like when the baby came, right? How long did it take you to get into a routine? Like what was your routine like? Like what was what was that experience? You being in the hospital, seeing your your son born. 
Yeah. So, I mean, after the first couple of months, I was excited because I did want children. Mm-hmm. And at that time, my Aunt Eunice, who is the one my daughter is named after, she was still alive. Mm-hmm. And so I was excited for the fact that because my parents had me and my siblings older, I was going to kind of bridge that gap because I was starting so young. So mm-hmm. they was going to get to enjoy my parents' generation while they still had that energy. And so I wrapped my head around it pretty quick. It was more so just, dang, you know, we're not married, so it's going to mm-hmm. be hard to break that. So when the baby came, it was definitely a learning curve. You know, we had to understand that there wasn't going to be a lot of personal time for the relationship at first. Mm. She was still in school, so we kind of fell into the I'm the breadwinner, you a stay-at-home mom type because she was in nursing school. Mm-hmm. And I was the only one who was starting off in my career. And so that was – That was a lot, I will say, more so because she was dealing with the fact of she thought she was never going to have a career. She Mm. has this newborn. We're living in this one-bedroom apartment. She's still trying to be in nursing school with dealing with being a new mom. And on top of that, she didn't have him the way she always saw her life going, Mm -hmm. as in, you know, marriage first, then kids. Mm -hmm. And so she's dealing with this is completely out of order for me. And so that's coming off negatively towards me because she's not communicating that towards me. So we was having all types of relationship problems. But me and the kid, where she was experiencing like postpartum and not really be able to jump into the flows with mm-hmm. it, I was picking up with that. Because okay. I was like, oh, you know, this is my first kid. It's mm-hmm. a boy. I named him after me. Like, okay. I'm like, whatever, whatever issues you got, don't worry about it. I'll pick up on mm-hmm. that. Okay. So it just worked out that way. Well, her thinking about she was never going to have a career, how was you able to reassure her? Because I know that's, like, big for women. Yeah, I was like, oh, you know, every month, do all the bills get paid? Like, do we always have food on the table? Does he always have diapers? Like, it's going to be all right. Just keep trying with school. Like, keep you focus on school. You know I'm not that type of person that, oh, if you step outside the house, I don't know what to do with the kid. Mm Because I'm the oldest. So I raised my sister. Got you. My sister will tell anybody, like, even though my parents do feel some type of way when she tells them, but she told them to their face. She was like, I always saw y'all as kind of like, you know, y'all just pay for where I live. But Harvey was my parent. Mm. When he went to college is when I got to know my actual parents. Mm. And so taking care of a younger kid was always something that I did being the oldest one. I was used to that because my sister's like nine years behind me. So it was, it just came a lot more naturally for me, whereas with my wife, it was just, it was a lot. So why do you feel like, touching on that real quick, why why do you feel like um, they left you more with that responsibility? With my younger siblings? Correct. Because my parents were 40 when they had my sister. Whoa. And I tell them all the time, I was like, you know, as long as y'all try to lie to yourself and tell these people to wait, but don't tell them to wait. Because you ain't have the energy to, to mm-hmm. run behind her. Mm-hmm. So y'all mm-hmm. passed it off to me, who y'all had at 32. Mm-hmm. So it was, a, it was a way, they were in a different space in their life. And everybody likes to think, oh, you know, we got forever to have kids. You know. One thing with life, you're not going to have it all. So either you're going to have them young, and you may not have all the finances to bless them with all the stuff that you would like to. But you will be there. And just you being there and being able to play with them and jump and like, run and all that type of stuff will mean more to them than you're able to pay for all this stuff, but they got to enjoy it by themselves because you out of breath or you tired or you so far up in your career that you can't take a break from work. Cause you now the CEO of the mm-hmm. VP 
So you sending somebody else in your place to cheer for them at their games. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just a matter of which trade-off do you really mm. want. Because I be trying to tell people, like, I always feel like you're never really ready to have kids. Oh, you're not. And people be like, well, yeah, I think I'm ready. But I'm like, nah, because I be stop. I get stuck in that mindset. I'd be like, I want to, I would rather be more financially stable because I feel like, and I could be wrong because I don't have any kids, but about a good eight times out of 10, if you don't have some type of stability financially, when you have kids, you're going to be stuck in that rut a little while until the kids get older. Is that right or wrong? Uh, to yes and no, and this is the reason why I'm going to say that. Okay. Because I definitely wasn't financially where I wanted to be. Okay. I was making half of what I'm making now when we had him. Okay. And that was that was a lot of our worries leading up to that. But the problem is all people ever tell people who don't have children before they have kids, it's the horrors of it. Mm. All the negative stuff, all the stuff that you're going to hate. So they're going into it with this negative mindset like, damn, I'm just going to be this shitty-ass parent because mm-hmm. I have all this stuff. And these people who did have that told me it was going to be bad. Mm-hmm. Not the case. Man, we were sleeping in that one-bedroom apartment, and we was the happiest family. <laughs> like, my son, he would wake up on a Saturday morning, and he would just stand up at the top of his crib, and he would just tap us. And we would go make breakfast. We had our little routine. And now that I ended up being a younger parent due to life circumstances. Cause originally I wasn't trying to have my first kid to 35. Cause mm-hmm. like all men, you think you got to have all this money mm-hmm. before you can afford that. But the amount of energy, me being able to crawl on the floor with my kids and being able to run, take him places or like lift him up. Like he always be flexing on the playground talking about, Oh, my dad can bench press me. I want to <laughs> see. Like they really just want you. You mm-hmm. and too many fathers get it mixed up. They're thinking that we just supposed to sign a check. We just supposed mm-hmm. to throw money at them. And the woman's supposed to do all that. But kids, especially boys, they want to be your shadow. Like mm-hmm. whenever you leave that house, if they can come with you, they want to go everywhere you go. They don't care if you're wearing Gucci or if you got like the flyer shoes. Mm-hmm. They don't care if you got holes in your socks. Mm-hmm. You they dad and they spending time with you. And that means the most to them out of everything. Yeah, because for me, I'd be like, mm, I originally wanted kids. My mom had me at 30 because they got married at 29. And that was really like when I wanted to start to have kids when that ain't happened. But I got a cutoff limit because just like you said <laughs> with your parents, I'm not about to be 40 chasing around no toddler or no infant. I ain't got the energy. I barely have the energy now. So I'm like, if I don't have no kids by 40, I'm getting a vasectomy. It's a wrap. It ain't for me. Now, the only reason why I would say reevaluate that because kids are your motivation for it. So if you don't have the money when they're born, if you're that type of parent who always wanted kids, that's going to light a fire under you where you're going to get the money quick. That's the reason why I always say, people, when you have kids, if you're not financially ready, you're going to be motivated to get financially ready. Mm -hmm. And in a relatively short amount of time before they even can remember that shack that they was born. Mm -hmm. It's not even going to be like that. And it's the same with your physical fitness. If you have kids older, but that was always a life goal that you wanted, Mm -hmm. you're going to work out. You're going to do what it takes to have the energy mm-hmm. to be present for those. The issue with my parents and my sister is they had been there, done that. They had had me and my brother mm-hmm. in their early 30s, and now they turn around having my sister. The novelty had wore off. Mm-hmm. They, didn't have, they didn't really care because they were like, uh, you know, mm-hmm. we've kind of gone through all the, oh, yay, look at Johnny take his first steps. Like, mm-hmm. They're like, nah, we just we had another kid, so we got to get her to adulthood. We're going to tap in these other siblings to help out. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, because I, 
always I was talking to my dad earlier today when we was recording and it was like, yeah, like all I really remember is when we was at Willemboro and we had a rancher. I don't remember going from apartment to apartment to apartment to apartment. So when he was saying that, I was like, bro, we did all of that? Because I'm like, I don't remember none of that. Yeah. I start my memories start from like, I know when we were in like, as far as I was concerned, I knew we lived in like uh, other places for a while, but I thought like for the most part, we was in Willemboro for like most of my years, but we was only in Willemboro for like seven years. And I'm like, damn, I don't remember none of this. <laughs> yeah, because that's the way we were. We, he's lived in like four different places. Mm. <laughs> mm. But now, um, I just bought a house last year, so we're probably going to be there for a good long Okay. Moment. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, after the first one, right? Yeah. You said the other, how, how old are your other three? So, the next one is 18 months. They're exactly three years apart. Maybe a couple of days in between because they okay. were born in January. So, I know it was around his third birthday. And then after that came the twins, like literally just 13 months afterwards. Mm. So what happened was after my son, my wife was, uh, oh, she went to the doctor immediately and say, put me on whatever you got to do to stop my (laughs) cycle, whatever, because I can't have two babies before Mm -hmm. I get married. Mm -hmm. So she got that done. We put a pause on any like or anything until we actually got married. From the time he was born to the time I got married, what's the time frame? He was about 15 months at the wedding. Okay. Yeah. And both our grandmothers, because I came from a Christian background too, they both trying to keep him out of all the pictures and everything. About, <laughs> y'all can lie and say that y'all had him after y'all got married. But I'm like, it's not even that deep. It like, really isn't. Like, once once the baby's here, it's not that deep. Like, it's not even all that. It's just really the initial shock is, oh, you got pregnant before you got married. But once the baby's here, don't, don't nobody care about that. Thank you. Don't then, nobody care about that. And then on top of that, we actually got married. Mm-hmm. So I ain't never think it was that big a deal. Mm-hmm. And so after that, I wanted to be married for at least a year just to, you know, get into the routine of marriage before even entertaining the idea of any other kids. And I honestly wanted a first promotion at my new job because I had switched companies mm-hmm. before we had the next one. But my wife, you know, we got married. She was 27. And so that was her goal. She mm-hmm. was like, all right, now I got a husband. Now I'm ready to like completely fill up. Fill up a house full of kids. And I'm like, hold up. (laughs) So our first year of marriage was us going back and forth on that. Gotcha. And then she was like, all right, in February of 2020, she was like, I'm going to at least switch to a birth control that I could just stop taking pills. So during the pandemic. Yeah. So you got pandemic babies. Yes. Because see, this is what happened. She switched birth control right before we went to the shutdown. Mm -hmm. Because she wanted to take the IUD. IUD out. Mm-hmm. That way, if we ever decided, all right, we're going to start trying for another kid, she could just stop taking her pills and she would have more control over that. Mm-hmm. But March hit and then COVID, COVID hit. hit. And so doctors said, unless it was an emergency, we're not bringing you in for nothing. So she had gotten the IUD removed, but she hadn't gotten her consultation, her prescription mm. for the birth control. So y'all was, y'all was playing Russian roulette. Yes, <laughs> y'all was playing. Right, was play. like, "Yo, Trump got to open everything back up because she got to go there to get her pills." Mm-hmm. So May come, they finally relax the reg- regulations a little bit. She go to the doctor, and they always pregnancy test you first before they prescribe anything new that you ain't never took before. Mm-hmm. They gave her a pregnancy test, and they was like, "Oh, ma'am, you're pregnant." And I was like, "Damn." <laughs> Like, I was like, but we was being good because I was doing like the rhythm method. Mm-hmm. You know, we we counting the days, mm-hmm. and she was. They was like, well, I mean, this is when I found out that sperm, depending on the guy, can live inside the woman for up to seven days. Mm. 
especially if y'all are biologically compatible. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that. Because I was like, hold up. I know we was out of that window. Mm-hmm. And that's when the doctor told us that. And so I was like, all right. Well, here we go again. It ends up being another boy. And so I'm like, this the next time around, I'm thinking, all right, yo, you going on birth control, the hard stuff, until we both agree mm-hmm. that, all right, we shooting the club up intentionally. Mm-hmm. And she's like, she's a diff- she was a completely different mother the second time around. Because the second time around, she had already graduated from nursing school. Mm. And so she she could step inside her career whenever she wanted to. She was being a stay-at-home mom by choice. Mm. Okay. So she's being staying at home, taking care of our sons, and she wants to do breastfeeding because she didn't breastfeed the first one. Mm-hmm. And so she didn't want no hormones to mess up her milk supply. And I was like, all right, I can understand that. You know I'm not a woman. I'm pretty sure you know what you're doing. So whenever you feel it's time, you know, let's talk about at least going back on the IUD Mm -hmm. until we're ready to have any additional children. And so once again, last summer, it was actually this month. She Mm. was like, all right, the second kid started eating table food. I feel like it's all right. We can start entertaining the idea of birth control. She hadn't had no period. Mind you, she hadn't had a period since March of 2020. This was August of 2021 because when you're breastfeeding, a lot of women don't have a cycle. Mm, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that either. I'm thinking, oh, you don't have a period. There's no possibility of Mm -hmm. getting pregnant because you can't be dropping anything. Wrong. (laughs) (laughs) She goes to the doctor and once again, they test her before they start discussing any birth control Mm -hmm. and they come back and they're like, ma'am, you're pregnant. And she was like, oh, Lord, can y'all help me tell my husband? I don't know how this is going to go over. <laughs> and so I'm like, yo, doc, okay, you got to explain to me because I know people who be trying for years mm-hmm. just to get one. Mm-hmm. And how this just keep happening? Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, you know, every woman is different. You can't compare yourself to other people. Your your own reproductive history is strictly just you. I'm like, all right, so we doing this again. I'm like, you still not even 30 yet. Mm. Like she's still in her twenties. I had just turned 30 mm. and we all were on kid number three. Mm. So we experienced that this, we didn't even go immediately to the, um, to the prenatal care. Cause mm-hmm. we were like, eh, you know, it's following the same tradition as other stuff. Mm-hmm. The only thing is this time around, she was so hungry and I'm thinking she's lying to me. She's just eating everything in sight mm. until one day I was like, all right, you can't keep eating these astronomicals amount of food. We have other children we have to feed. And she was like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm just way more hungry this pregnancy. And I'm like, well, you're going to have to get it together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got to learn to be hungry because this grocery bill has doubled strictly for you. Mm-hmm. And so we finally decided probably around 11 or 12 weeks into her pregnancy, we were like, all right, let's go to the doctor, you know, make sure everything's on the up and up. And so soon as they put the little thing on her in the jail and they started Mm -hmm. moving it around, because I know what it's supposed to look like. Mm -hmm. I automatically knew something was wrong. I'm thinking that it's a miscarriage that's about to happen Mm -hmm. because I see the baby, but I see another mass that's in there. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I wonder if this these fibroids that they be talking about. Whatever it is, it didn't look good to me. Mm -hmm. And so the lady, she turned around in her chair and she looked up there and she's like, oh, did anybody tell y'all y'all having twins? <laughs> and I was like, what? And first thing my wife says is like, that's why I've been so hungry. Oh my gosh, it makes sense. And she's like, yeah, y'all are having twins. I was like, so that's not a fibroid or nothing? She's like, no, that's another baby. And she played both their individual heartbeats for us. Mm. 
Man, telling our parents <laughs> people dragged us. They still dragging us. They still talking about us. They like, whoa. Yo, that is wild. Like people who hadn't seen me since before the pandemic. Cause mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people was taking precautions for the Yeah, they, and you was you was you was all cooped up in a pandemic. So you yeah. come in, you got like one kid. Exactly. And then all of a sudden you see him saying. again, you like Four people was asking. Bro, it's only been like two years. Like they was asking if those were my son's cousins, and I was over here like, nah, they um, they his siblings. And they was like, you mean to tell me you had three babies in two years? I was like, maybe. <laughs> oh, that mess was wild. But hey, it's a blessing. We've been we've been adjusting very well, mm. and she she always wanted a lot of kids. Mm-hmm. I didn't. My number, I always said originally my max number was four. In high school, you talk a bunch of shit. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I had all these baby mamas and everything. I'm playing basketball. I'm just talking with teammates. Mm-hmm. I ain't never actually mean that. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, four was a great number for me. But she always wanted a large family. She's Jamaican. Mm-hmm. Apparently, that's a very common thing in the islands. Especially because she's had easy pregnancies. Mm. She gave birth to the last three with no meds, no nothing. Okay. So I'm like, I can't really tell her nothing. <laughs> so, because I wanted, right, growing up, I wanted four. Because as me and my two my two younger brothers, so I was like, okay, I already experienced three. Give me four. Now that I'm older, I want two. And I want <laughs> twins the first time around. Because the yeah. older I get, my, I was talking to my parents about it today, and they was like, yeah, that's going to be a lot of money. But I was like, knowing what the healthcare system is to black women mm-hmm. is to what police are to black men. And I if agree. I was like, if we can just get twins and get that out the way and I don't have to worry about you going through another pregnancy, then it's high risk because you're older. I'm going to just get out. If I can get blessed with twins, I'm cool with that. I went from four to two real quick. All I, I want is two. And after two, I'm getting vasectomy because I don't want no more. Listen, I understand. Cause especially this last birth, like she went into labor early, mm. which is very normal for twins because it's two babies in there. Mm-hmm. So they're going to run out of space quick. So she was giving birth at 33 weeks instead of the standard 39, 40. Mm-hmm. And so we in the hospital and I'm telling the doctors, I'm like, yo, my wife has fast deliveries. Like y'all moving too slow. You got to take the molasses out your ass and hurry up and get everything set up. Mm-hmm. And they was like, okay, good to know. They just took a mental note. Mind you, my second son, she had him. She went from one centimeter and all women know what I'm talking about to the baby was out in two and a half hours. Wow. Like, all the way out. That, that, that'll never really happen. Exactly. Wow. And I'm like, yo, they over here, they walking as if we going to be here all night. Which I'm is like, why I go back to the no. point to where I just feel like the healthcare don't really care about black women like that. Because you it's know. like, if, you, if obviously y'all been through this before. Yeah. So if the husband's telling you, y'all need to get up off your asses, she going, the baby's going, the twins are going to be here in a couple hours. They are. And, and y'all not really prepared. Hell no. They didn't even have the IV in her. We still in triage waiting. The next contraction my first one, my oldest daughter, Eunice, pops out and ain't no doctor in the room. It's just the phlebotomist trying to put the little needle in. She spazzes. I have to catch the baby. Mm-hmm. I'm holding this baby with the umbilical cord still attached, st- everything still inside the mom, and the next one coming right behind him. I was like, yo, go get some damn doctors. Like, I'm literally holding the whole kid, and there's another one coming right behind him. My mom, she's old school. Remember, she's the youngest mm-hmm. of 16. So she's on the phone talking everything through it. And I was like, she's like, what does the baby look like? What's the color? I was like, is she crying? 
all right, sounds like everything's healthy. Watch, the next one's going to come just like that. Because, see, doctors, especially with black women, they like to push C-sections. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to have them. I will say 50% of C-sections that black women get were because the doctor just wanted to do that because they like to have a baby on their time opposed to let nature take its course. Mm. So with my twins, the first one was head down. Everybody who's had multiples will always tell you if the first one is head down, no matter what position the other ones are in, they'll have enough space to turn and they can come out. So the doctor comes in there, we clip the umbilical cord to take the first baby, and they over here telling my wife, all right, you know, we may have to um, cut you for the next one. And she's like, no, like that wasn't my plan. And my mom was like, y'all ain't cutting my daughter-in-law. That baby is going to turn. And she's literally, my mom's on the phone fighting with the doctors. And I'm like, mom, you talk to him because I'm a man. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And she was like, listen, hook her up to the ultrasound and you will watch that baby turn and come out. And so they was like, we're going to take y'all to the operating room, but I will listen to your mom. But I'm just letting you know, after X amount of time, if the next baby ain't came out, it's going to have to be a C-section. They hooked her up to that ultrasound. And I remember watching that child turn from sideways mm. to the somersault came out head first. <laughs> right after that. I know they felt. I know they was. I thought they felt. They felt some type of. <laughs> my mom was definitely like, told y'all. Like, told y'all. Mm. And so both kids are born screaming. They were small because they was born at 33 mm. weeks. They were fully developed. Like, everything was good. And they've been doing fine. Like, and you a better man than me because I would have sued them. I'd have been like, hold up, I get here and I tell y'all as fast as I would have sued them. And well, I thought about it. I would have sued them and I would have been like, listen, like y'all, y'all, y'all taking that off that hospital bill because y'all, y'all was barely there for it. Now they did. This, this hospital bill, we had two babies. We only came out only having to pay a couple hundred out of pocket because mm. there's two things they messed up with. We had a prenatal appointment that day. And with her carrying multiples, they should have checked her cervix to know she was going to go into labor early. Mm-hmm. They didn't do that. We had a whole ultrasound and everything. Ain't nobody do that. Then when we get into the then when we get to the hospital, the doctor's not even on staff. They got to come in. By the time the doctor even got there, both the babies were born. Mm. So I'm like, y'all definitely ain't about to charge. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it reminds me of that one. I think it was on Twitter and I saw it on Facebook where the uh, mom was. By the time the mom got to the hospital, the baby was already outside of her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was like, yeah, like don't don't be charging me because y'all ain't even doing anything. Like they love doing that. Like I didn't even know that they be trying to. Push C sections on yeah. on women when nine out of ten they don't even need it. That's Talk to them because with our first one they scared us with that. They said that the heart rate was dropping and the heart rate didn't even drop that low. Mm. And see, I will say that's where living far away from family is to your detriment because it would have been nice. We had her mom there, mm-hmm. but her mom was also trying to arrange other stuff. We didn't have as much support being a first time parent, mm-hmm. so we listened to everything the doctors say. And my mom told me, all babies' heart rate drops, especially if it's your first one, because your body has to open up and they're going through the birth canal. Mm -hmm. But if the labor is progressing, they didn't need to have to give you a C-section. And she, that was another thing that sent her in the postpartum. Everything that she wanted with her first pregnancy, it didn't happen. Mm. Like Everything went opposite, and it didn't have to be that way. Mm. She was healthy. She never had any issues. The baby was healthy. They just didn't like the fact that her labor had gone past 10 hours. It was a full day in Wendy Palmer, and they probably just wanted to free up a bed. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Dealing with postpartum, right, how was that, and how did you help her get through it? I had no idea she had it mm. until afterwards when he was probably about one, and we were talking about it and looking back on it, and then I actually realized what it was. Mm. I do remember um, he was probably like two or three days old, 
she had came in from grocery shopping and she just dropped the groceries on the ground and started crying. Mm. I knew that women got emotional, but I didn't realize that what she was going through was postpartum. I thought she wasn't really connecting with him because he was an unplanned kid. Mm -hmm. Like it basically derailed her life plan as she thought. And being 26 and 27, the ages we were, she didn't see that getting back on track. But to the level of the disconnect that she had with the first one, I'm able to see how she is with the second kids to realize, oh, that was postpartum. What does postpartum look like? It can. It's different depending on the woman. Got you. Some women are a lot more expressive with their emotions. They're more of the criers. Mm-hmm. They're more of the stereotypical, we can see that you're a depressed type. Mm-hmm. Other women, it's going to show itself in the, oh, I really don't have any interest in being a mom. You know, this is your kid. You, they'll, they'll just have more of a detached way about it. Mm. And... They'll say they'll say stuff like, oh, if you leave me, you taking the baby with you mm-hmm. because you're not about to just think you're going to make me a single mom. They'll say stuff that you don't really hear a lot of moms say. And mm-hmm. that's how I'm able to look back and I will be able to identify it now. But back then, you know, we both in Orlando, her people's in Ocala, my people's up in Carolina and Virginia. Mm-hmm. So we literally just first time parents figuring it out together. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. None of that stuff. I really thought postpartum was just white people talk. Mm-hmm. Well, white women got because they wanted a nanny and couldn't afford one. Mm-hmm. I had no idea that it was an actual thing that you needed to look out for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely want to get I might have to get you back on so we get deeper into that. Oh, yeah. Because I definitely sure. I definitely want to get a, a father's perspective on that in more in depth. Um. How did, how long did it take y'all to like really get in the groove from the first one to the second one? I will say probably after the first, I'll say after the first seven months and when we really started to get into the wedding planning process. Okay. Cause once she was able to see that a kid does not have to mean the end of your life. <laughs> mm-hmm. Too many young people think that, Oh, you have a baby. Your life is over. Cause my own brother told me that when I finally told him that, Hey, you know, I'm about to be a dad. He was like, damn, like I want to cry for you. <laughs> like you're not, your life is going to be hell for the rest of your life. Why mm-hmm. would you do this to yourself? You haven't even reached, you haven't even gotten the licenses in your career that you wanted to yet. Mm-hmm. And I just, I never saw parenthood that way. Cause my whole thing was like, I can either be a parent now or I'm going to be a parent later. Mm-hmm. But I always planned on being a father cause mm-hmm. I come from a long line of fathers and I had a close relationship with my dad. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, this was always something I was going to do. What makes it so much more terrible me doing it now opposed to me doing it 10 years later? Mm-hmm. I'm still going to have to wake up in the middle of the night. I'm still going to have to fork out the money. The kid is still going to have the same needs and necessities that mm-hmm. all children have. Like, it's either you're going to do it now or you're going to do it later. I just happen to be doing it now. I think, right, a lot of people, some people think like that because I really feel like it's not over if you have a partner willing to help. That's it's, it's even not over if you don't have a partner. It just becomes much harder. Yeah. But if you have a partner willing to help, like she had you, yeah. you, you there for your kids. Oh, yeah. It's not like the end of the world. It's just an adjustment period. That too. But now if you get pregnant by somebody you're not sure going to be there, then it could feel like the end of the world because now you don't have nobody to help you take that responsibility off your hands. Like if you, you get, you go on a postpartum, you don't have, you don't have a man to help you pick up the slack. It's just, you, yeah. you still got to do everything by yourself. And I, I think that's the difference. That is the difference. And then on top of that, you really, if you want children, it's never going to be bad. Even the getting up in the middle of the night with them, 
none of that is nowhere near as bad as people make it seem. Like all the stuff that they tell people, I tell, I go to baby showers intentionally to debunk that. I'm like, yo, quit telling these people that because if they wanted the child, all of that stuff is going to be exciting. It's going to be fun. Mm -hmm. You're going to be tired, but you're going to be motivated to want to be tired because you want to interact with your kid. Now, the ones that didn't want children and they trying to, you know, look good in the eyes of society, that's why I'm a pro-choice type person. Mm. I'm like, it's better that you really just not have the kid Mm -hmm. because all that a kid entails, especially the fact that you could be a single parent, like, it's rather you not have that unless you really always wanted children Mm -hmm. because the amount of work and investment that goes into it, you're always going to view it as a chore. And then that child is going to grow up feeling as if they were a burden. So they're going to try to become independent as soon as they can. And mm-hmm. that's what's caused too much hyper independence in the black community. Mm-hmm. And too many people who feel like that they can't even tell their parent, yo, I got my heart broken. Or they can't be vulnerable with their parent because their parent ain't never really care about them. Mm-hmm. Just trying to get them to adulthood so that they can wear the badge of a good parent. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's, that's, that's some deep stuff right there. The... With your wife now, is she is she back, is she back staying at home or y'all doing daycare? Or how's that working? Oh, no, she's been at home. She's been at home continuously because she's always ideally wanted to stay at home the first 18 months of life. Mm-hmm. I came, I was put in the hands of an abusive babysitter when I was really, really young. Mm-hmm. And so I remember not being able to express to my parents what this adult was doing to us mm-hmm. when they would leave because they would switch up as soon as my parent walked through the door. Mm-hmm. So when she brought that to me, I was like, yo, we compatible on that end because I really ain't want to put my kid in the hands of strangers anyway. Mm. And so that has always worked out for us, despite the fact that we living off of one income. Everybody makes it seem like, oh, you got to have two incomes to make it. That is not true. It depends on your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. If you got to have Gucci shoes and your baby got to have a Prada purse and y'all got to be flying jet planes and all that type of stuff when they're two years old, then yeah, you probably yeah. need two incomes. Mm-hmm. But if you going to be living a regular life, you really don't have to have two incomes. Mm. You just got to make some modifications and be a team with your partner. Mm-hmm. It really can work. Because that's what I would like. Because I'd be sitting there going like, I just did a solo episode on like, how for me, daycare is birth control because I see the cost of daycare yeah. and I'm like, yeah, nah. So if I can like figure out like if I have a, a child with somebody and be like, hey, look, if you want to stay at home, you can stay at home for as long as you want to the kids go to pre-k or something like that. Because I because pre-k, in my opinion, is a form of daycare. It's it a is. less expensive form of daycare. That part. And I'm like, I'd rather you do that and I'll save money as opposed to, you know, doing whatever, do, uh all this daycare crap. It's, it's, yeah. expensive. It's, it's expensive, bro. It's like a second mortgage. It's overrated. It is. It's, it's overrated. It's more than a second mortgage. And for what they're doing to your kid. So if you put an infant in daycare, because of course I got some friends with kids mm-hmm. who have to, and I completely understand it if that's how your life is. Mm-hmm. They'll put these kids in daycare. And the way daycare is set up, especially in the state of Florida, four infants for every one instructor. Four infants are changed. They're, they treat them like how you do people in a nursing home. You make your rounds. Mm-hmm. So they change these babies when it's time to change them. It doesn't matter the individuality of the child. Mm-hmm. You get changed on this time, this time, and that time. So whatever you do in between there, you're going to sit in it until you get changed That's again. That's nasty work. And then these kids come home <laughs> with diaper rash. You're not seeing your baby's milestones. Like, you don't know the first time your baby started rolling over Mm because you're not there. Mm -hmm. You don't know the first time your baby started smiling 
or started really cooing or like making little vowel sounds. You don't know none of that because you at work and the daycare person is there and they're not writing that stuff down to tell you. Mm -hmm. They making their rounds, they're feeding them on a schedule, regardless of, okay, this kid may use the bathroom more. This kid may use the bathroom less. This kid is smaller, so they may be hungrier and they may need to be fed a little bit more. This kid may need a special type of holding when you feed them. None of that stuff is personalized. Mm. So you're paying over a thousand a month for your kid to basically be treated as if they in a nursing home on mm. a shift. Mm. That's not, nah, that's it just ain't. not the way I look at it. Cause starting, starting this podcast, my views has completely changed before it was like, mm, I don't know if I would want my, the mother of my kids to stay home. Cause all this and all that. But now it's like, look, I'd rather like, listen, we're going to have a serious talk. Yeah. I know you still like to get your nails done, your hair done. Cool. I'll budget all that in there so that way you still feel like you and take care of the kids at home because I'd rather you do that with the mother of my kids than go to daycare and nah. Mm-mm. So you, you tell me how much your expenses are. I'm going to budget that in there. Like, okay, you, you need your nails in every two weeks. How much is that? Bam, you got it. Food, you got it. You want to go out, you got it. Bam, bam, bam. Because this daycare stuff, ain't. If I can, if I can avoid it, I'm going to avoid it at every cost. I agree. Because let me tell you, they will switch up on you. I went to this evil lady named Miss Loretta all the way up until I was probably about three years old. Because mm. my mom was on bed rest when she was pregnant with my brother. Me and mm. my brother three years apart. Because she had um, preeclampsia. And so I was spending the nights at this lady house. And she used to get three switches, braid them together, and be beating us. For simple stuff that a three-year-old's going to do, like, potentially pee on themselves mm. or like they may not take a nap with the other kids. Mm-hmm. She was going to beat you to go into basically into submission. And so I remember being the type of kid I learned real quick. All right, this adult basically just go with the flow and fly under the radar. Whereas I remember other people I grew up with, like this girl, Jasmine, she wasn't like that. She would cry because she was depressed. Mm-hmm. Anytime her mom dropped her off, she cried for the first five hours. Mm. And when she would cry, we would get sent outside. And the lady would just leave us outside till lunchtime, no matter how hot it was, none of that. And all she would do is just cry all day. And I'm thinking, as soon as her mom walked through the door, she's going to put on a smile. She would clean us up because she knew when our parents were coming. She mm-hmm. would dust us off, spruce everybody up, and then have everybody presented for their parent as if she had been on her shit all day. Because a lot of... A lot of- I feel like a lot of people just think that like depression happens when you're a teenager, when you're adult, but it happens when you're young. It's just that when you're young, you can't express it. Exactly. So you don't really know. And that's another thing like, nah, cause you, you, if I like, "Mm -mm, you treat my baby wrong, I'm going to jail. Yeah. I'm going to jail. Like you going, you going to get these hands. I don't care if you a man or a woman. Like at that point, it, 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 these these hands is, is is gender neutral because you fucking with my kid. Yeah, because my parents were furious when I got old enough, and me and other friends who were at the same daycare told them what was going on. Like I never forget, I would be at the top of the stairs and seeing my dad just. I've never felt a, a feeling of happiness in any of my other years in life from back then when I was three years old, and I would see him walk through the door and I could leave. Mm. And when he would drop me off, they always thought that oh, you know. We wonder why does he act like this whenever we we leave him? And she's like, oh, that's normal. That's just separation anxiety. I was three. Separation anxiety is when you are a baby. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm walking. No, this ain't separation anxiety. I'm trying to communicate that there's something wrong with this adult. Mm -hmm. And she's switching up for you guys. And ever since then, even when people just babysit our kid, like, I'm real selective. I'll be quick to be like, baby, go out with your friends. You know, have a good time. I'll stay home. Mm -hmm. Like, my wife going to Puerto Rico with the girls, like, in a week. I'll have all the kids with me. I'd rather do that if I can't get 
one of our parents to do it or mm-hmm. one of our siblings. Like I'm not, I don't just trust anybody with my kids because I know how they switch up. Mm-hmm. So if I read their energy and if when they look at you, when you just come over to visit with us, they don't run to you. You know, they don't really interact with you. I know what type of spirit you got mm-hmm. because with my homeboy, their godfather, as soon as he walked through the door, they run to him. Mm. Right? They run both of them to get picked up. Any of the babies that can actually move, they go into him. With some other people that come to our house, they just sit there or they'll go to their room. It's like, like, all right, I know how you is. If you pay attention, young kids will tell you what they're trying to say. They won't, they can't express it. But if you're observant, they'll tell you. But I feel like a lot of parents just, they they just brush it off. And it's like, if you really just sit there and pay attention, you'd be like, yeah, okay, maybe I need to keep them away from my kids because kids ain't going to lie. They're not. But I will say our generation, because everybody's so work, 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 me, 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 I got to get mine because I don't feel like depending on nobody else. There's too many. There ain't no parent really in the home getting mm. to know the kid mm-hmm. because, you know, men out here talking about, oh, I ain't going to have no stay at home wife. She's going to be taking advantage of me. And then these women like, oh, I don't feel like I need to ask my man for no money, this type of stuff. So they all thinking about them. Mm-hmm. So they got their kids in daycare, and the only people who know their child is the daycare people. Mm-hmm. You know, they, and they hardly they, know them. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But you, they'll argue you too for now all day. Oh, no, I know my parent. You know, I can do it all. I'm a career woman, all this stuff. You come home. Let's say you get off work. Like, you work a 40-hour work week. You pick your kid up, like, around 530. Y'all get home. You go through the routine of dinner and bathing them. You probably got, like, a solid two hours where you actually – potentially engage with them, depending on whether or not you tired yourself before you got to put them down, get yourself ready for bed. Mm -hmm. So you can get up and do it all the same day. You really mean to tell me, you know, a whole human through and through off of two hours every day. Like there's Mm. no way you can convince me of that. Cause I remember my wife, I would be at work and she would send me like little snaps of like something new that they was doing. Like about a month and a half ago, the twins started rolling over. The oldest twin started rolling over first, and then a week later, the other twin started rolling over. Or just when they would start smiling, or how my youngest twin is best friends with my oldest, but she hasn't really built that bond with my second kid yet. Mm -hmm. But my second kid and the oldest twin are literally thick as thieves. That type of stuff you don't get in the daycare. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. as much as people want to be independent, and I know, you know, the color purple done scarred everybody, everybody's granddaddy won't beating on their grandmama back in the day. Mm -hmm. It won't like that. Honestly, the majority of households were really healthy and functional because when you live like that, you know your lane and you stay in it. Mm -hmm. Like, my wife don't even know how to pay a water bill. Like, Mm. that's not her lane. That's stuff I handle. Mm -hmm. When it comes to dinner... Whatever she put on the table is what I'm going to eat. Like, and I wish one of those kids would tell her that they got a problem with what they cook because all she got to do is look at me and she know I'm going to handle that. Like, she is the domain of the house. If she wants this certain room cleaned up, she tells us when it needs to be cleaned up for whoever is coming over. That's how she operates. Whatever she chooses is the menu for the the week, that's what we're going to eat. I just run her the money. Mm. Like, and it really works well that way. She'll tell me what the kids need. Like we found out last year that he um, he was gifted and he was taking an interest in music. Mm. So she told me I unwound some stocks and stuff, and I made freed up some money so he could take piano lessons. Same thing with my second son. He's showing the same altitude coming up behind him, and we already working on him with like reading and all that type of stuff. 
she basically is the kids like manager and I'm the actual football team. Got and the you. manager's coming to the team saying, Hey, your player <laughs> needs this. Mm-hmm. You need to make it happen so that your player can function at optimum level. Mm-hmm. And I bet I make it happen. I like that. I like that. When you have the kids by yourself, right? For like a weekend or so, what's the routine like? I follow whatever she has in play. Got that you. So it doesn't get everything schedule. states. Okay. Now, I, I will say, I'm not going to lie, because I love having <clears throat> the kids with me, and they mm-hmm. love me too, because I'm nowhere near as strict or as structured as their mom. Mm. And we're going to stay up. We're going we gonna to watch whatever they want to watch way later than they're supposed to. We're going to run around. The house ain't going to be clean. But whenever I say, oh, y'all mom just texted me. Y'all got to hurry up and help me clean up the house. You know, they're going to call, they're going to come in the court mm-hmm. and it's going to, it's going to look like it was a perfect week. <laughs> I love that for y'all, man. I love that, man. That's what's up, man. Um, so we're going to switch over to the parents' corner segment, right? Sure. Yeah. Um, give me a struggle of the week where it was a problem or a struggle in the household, how you handled it versus how you should have handled it. Uh, I will say it is parents in the different age groups. Okay. now my son being 18 months, he's only four years old. They're old enough now where they're starting to have that sibling rivalry, that mm-hmm. strife. And I always want them to have the ability to set their boundaries. Like, oh, you know, Grayson's the second oldest. I'm like, Grayson doesn't want to play with you right now. Don't force him to play with you. And so it's really, there was this one time where I asked him, I basically asked him to, go past his boundary and play with his brother a little longer. Cause I was trying to feed the twins. My wife was out grocery shopping mm-hmm. and I had probably worked like 10 hours that day. And he was trying to explain to me that he was annoyed by him having <laughs> played with him all day. Mm-hmm. And he was like, no, I just really want to just draw my solar system and I don't want to have to color with him because he's going to scribble on it and he's going to mess everything up. And instead of listening to him, I just basically overpowered him and said, look, you're going to play with your brother And then when mom gets back, I'll take him over here and he can come over here with the twins. (laughs) And so, of course, naturally he called the attitude. I didn't have the time to pay any attention to the attitude. Mm -hmm. So after I was, after all of that went through, we did baths and I was reading him a bedtime story. I could tell that he was off. He wasn't his normal self. And so I asked him what was wrong. And he said, you hurt my feelings and I don't want to be your friend anymore. And so most parents, especially black parents back in the day, they was just they would quick be like, mm-hmm. I ain't one of your little friends anyway. Mm-hmm. But to me, because I like the relationship I have with my kids, I asked him, I was like, Oh, I'm sorry, you know what I do to hurt your feelings. And that's when he explained to me that. And I was like, Okay, you know, next time I'll actually listen a little bit more and I'll find another station where I can put grace in that. That way you can actually draw your solar system in peace. And just explaining that, he was like, All right. We're friends again. <laughs> I like that. Um, you have a funny dad story? Oh, yeah. I got several. Share one. Shoot, like one of them was last night. So where was my wife last night? I think that was their, they had a friend in town. So mm-hmm. her and two of her besties, they went to downtown Orlando. They okay. just went and had drinks or something like that. I was at the house. And so I had gotten everybody to sleep. And I was feeding the youngest twin. I was finna put her down. And so right after I feed her, I burped her, it looks like it's going to be smooth. I was going to put her down. I was going to take a bath because I didn't get home from work until like 11 o'clock last mm. night. As soon as she touches the blanket, like it's like this poop explosion and mm. it's wet and you hear it. And she literally lifts up her head and then looks at me. 
really would do this after you got so clean. <laughs> Your like, babies don't be caring. Oh like gosh. they don't be caring. Why now? <laughs> now thank God she was in an Ello puppet diaper, mm-hmm. so it didn't get on any of her clothes or anything. I was able to change her, got all the poop, kept it in the diaper, and then I picked her up. And as soon as I picked her up, she spit up all over me mm. and then smiled the biggest grin. Mm. And I was just like, you know what? If you wanted to just stay up, just say that. If you want to buy this, just say that. <laughs> like, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you didn't have to do all this. <laughs> so I ended up just taking off my shirt. We were sitting on the couch just watching Baby First. And I was just talking to her. She just sitting there smiling. Clearly, she ain't want to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Everybody else in the house snoring. And I texted my wife and told her, and she laughed. She was like, yeah, they've been, they've been off their little schedule for a little bit. I'm like, ah, that's cool. Like, she clearly was just trying to communicate, hey, I'm not trying to go to bed. Mm-hmm. I want to stay up and have uninter- uninterrupted time with you where my siblings ain't all in your face. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, all right. So with the yellow puppet, puppet diapers real quick, it catches the poop in there? Yes. Yeah, okay, They're extremely absorbent because with him – we was using Pampers, Huggies. I'll never do Loves. Loves, you might as well not even put a diaper on them. Mm. Pampers, you could put them in the car seat, and you hear the poop explosion because it sounds like a large, wet bomb. Mm. And then you pick the baby up, and you want to throw the whole kid away. Like, it's all on the back. It's all on the car seat. It's everywhere. Mm. And I'm like, how can such a little <laughs> thing produce so much poop? Mm-hmm. And so with her diapers, what I've noticed is they keep them all in the diaper. It still be a lot but it doesn't spill out until you actually open the diaper. Mm. It saves so many outfits. Okay. All right, Kyra. I see you, man. Like I, I see oh, you because yeah. that's my first. So I'm a big, I'm a big supporter of her. But I don't have any kids, so I just yeah. have the diaper bag because I originally thought it was a book bag when I bought it. <laughs> the first time, I like, I tell you, the first time, uh, like, I almost blocked her. I'll tell you the story <laughs> quick. The first time I announced I was having a baby, Daddy Krongos, I almost blocked her because she was like. Uh, are you going to get woman on? I'm like, she ain't no baby daddy. Like what? And then like, she yeah. started telling me she, she has a black owned diaper business. And then I happened to look at it one day and it said Sanford. I'm like, she in Sanford the whole time. So then I got her on and then I saw the diaper bag, but I thought it was a book bag. Oh, and yeah. so then I was like, yo, I want one of those. I'm thinking a book bag and help promote It's dope. Then she told me the diaper bag after I already bought it, but it's too late now. So <laughs> I have told her, I was like, yeah, and I, 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 that's, that's my new, like that book bag right there is what I used to carry. No, yeah. I put everything in that diaper bag and that's my name. Be like, yeah, I'll be handing out our business cards and everything. That's but that's my up. first review, like hearing it. Yes. So yeah, I was already going to buy her diapers when I have kids, but now it's a fact because them, like, them blowouts ain't no joke. They're not. And her diapers are phenomenal. Like they save kids from diaper rash. All of that type of stuff. I swear by them. And people think I be putting on. I'm like, no. Because I got other friends who have businesses. Mm -hmm. If your product's not good, your product's not good. Mm -hmm. I can't like it. I can't just waste money out Mm -hmm. of love. Mm -hmm. But no, she literally did her research. And I keep telling her, I'm like, whatever you do, don't quit. Because you will blow up. Mm-hmm. All you need is that first person to notice you and actually get you on shelves. Because this this product is phenomenal. Mm. She got pull-ups. She got everything. Like, mm-hmm. all my kids, that's all they wear. Okay. I can't. I already told her. I was like, hey. I, I told her, I was like, you're going to be one of the first people I tell <laughs> that, hey, we, I'm having a baby because I'm going to be on it. Yes. I'm going to be on it. I'm definitely going to be on it. Um, Dad draft, right? Mm-hmm. If you around... One through seven, what pick, what round and what pick would you, would you place yourself at? For the dad draft, I would place myself at first round draft pick and I'm going to tell you why. Okay. Mainly because when we was pregnant with my eldest, Mm -hmm. him being an unplanned pregnancy, one thing me and my wife agreed to was like, 
we both have to be 100% comfortable with the kid. Mm -hmm. That means whatever she can do with him, I got to be able to do that because there, we don't know what could happen. Mm. Like we have, we have no clue. And it's not fair for one parent to just be jailed to the child. Mm -hmm. Society has put too much emphasis on the father paying for stuff. Like even with child support, they'll never make you visit the kid. They won't force you to go to your visitation, but they're going to force you to pay child support. Mm. So it's put this notion in the head that the only way to be a good father and the only thing that's going to be validated is for you to pay bills. Mm -hmm. If you talk to women 40 and up whose children are grown, when they talk about the father of their children in the good light, they're talking about something he paid for. Mm. Nine times out of 10, they're not talking about no diapers. They're not talking about how many times he played catch with his son. They ain't talking about how many homework assignments he helped the kids with. They talking about how many times they called that man for money and he over delivered. Mm. It's always financial. But when you talk to the kid, the kids talking about how excited they are for mother's day because they connected with their mom. Mm -hmm. Their mom was there when they were sick when they had problems, their mom was the one that they was calling to. Mm -hmm. Their dad was only there when it was a financial need. And that's a lot of the reason as to why a lot of these kids, you know, even though the mom will say they were a phenomenal father, like my best friend, his mom loves his dad, but he never connected with his dad. Mm -hmm. His dad was real old school. He was an older dad, too. He was born in the 40s. So he came from that era where all I got to do is sign a check, you know, mm -hmm. get out of my face and then call me when he needs to be beat. I'll be the disciplinarian. But let's think about it. Us as people, you're not really going to vibe with anybody. Exactly. Who the only time you see them is when it's to, to beat you. I try to tell people all the time, providing is way more than financial. It really is. Like, you want to actually connect with these kids. So when she put that on the table, I was like, oh, I was going to do that anyway. Because mm -hmm. that's how I am. Like, when I go home to Virginia, I'm from the country. My people's what on part the of Virginia? Um, I'm from Hampton, Virginia. My so. mom, my grandma went to Hampton University. Oh, really? Yeah, my dad that's went to Norfolk. I was, that's where I wanted to go before I went to FAM. I wanted to go to Norfolk. Oh, And I got wow. accepted, but they didn't want to. Um, no scholarship. Yeah, they didn't want to give me no money, so we tried to <laughs> we tried to spin it because my mom's, my mom's mom lived five minutes, like five, ten. She had a mom that lived, her. my mom's mom lived five minutes from the school. Mm -hmm. my, I had an uncle live five minutes from the school. So we had a whole plan, like senior year, I was going to move senior year to Virginia, so that oh. way I could I could show yes. that I lived there. And then it was, and then her, uh, my grandma's husband was in the Navy, so I got the Navy. So I basically went to school for free. You but they they didn't want me to move in there. And then when <laughs> I I, think I was gonna get in Norfolk, it was the last minute and I got in. And then I was like, yeah, because that's all I wanted to be. I was like, I'm gonna be a, gonna be a Spartan, be like my dad. Yeah. And then they want to give me no money. And my dad looked at me, "What you want to do?" I said. Nah. <laughs> and I can understand nah. that. And it, it's like, so I'm from up there. Okay. My people, they own a farm because my mom, her, all her family, they own this huge farm. Like, it's not that far from where I grew up. And so we always spend a lot of time going there. And I know my wife is from the city. Mm -hmm. You ain't really trying to come up there. Mm -hmm. like, you love your in-laws and stuff, but my folks country. And they, <laughs> they're a different level of country. So I take the kids by myself. Mm -hmm. like, I've flown flights with the kids by myself. Everything my wife can do, she knows I can do just as well mm -hmm. as her. And in doing that, like, me and him, we best friends. Like, everybody will tell you, my oldest is really my kid. Because <laughs> my wife, you know, she didn't get to connect with him the way she wanted to because she didn't get to have him in the space that she ideally wanted to have her kids. Mm -hmm. But all of them, we all have that bond because of me actually, like, wanting to be in your day-to-day -to, -day to, like, actually get to know you. There was one time where we went to the doctor, 
And it, we was actually at the doctor for the twins. It was back in April. But because all four of the kids were there, I asked the pediatrician. I was like, yo, you know, look at my second son's ear. I think he has an ear infection. Now, mind you, he won't run in no fever. Mm-hmm. He wasn't sick. He was playing like normal. But something was off about him. He had he sounded real congested. Mm-hmm. And he had been congested for some days. And I'm like, uh, nah, this is sounding like an ear infection. Because mm-hmm. remind you, I got a little bit of experience <laughs> from helping out my parents with my own, with mm-hmm. my sister. And so she brought him up there. She looked and she was like, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, you're right. This is actually a pretty big ear infection. I'm really surprised that he's like walking around acting normal. I was like, I knew it because that congestion ain't supposed to still be there. That ain't allergies. That was something different. Mm. And see, too many fathers feel like mom is the all-knowing parent. Mm-hmm. She know everything. You know, they, you know, mom's intuition, all of that type of stuff. Dads have that same thing, too. It's just dads won't never told that they are supposed to actually tap into that. Because mm. the only difference between a man and a woman is a man has a nine-month head start on being able to run out that kid's life if he wants to. Mm. The woman biologically is just jailed with that baby. Mm-hmm. And I've talked to several women who said, look, if it weren't for the fact that it was living in me, I would have left too <laughs> because this wasn't my plan. Mm-hmm. He just had a head start. So, you know, now that I'm at the track and I'm ready to run, he already out of the country. Mm-hmm. So I'm stuck. That's really the only difference. But women, they first time parents just like men are. It's really how much you connecting with that kid and tapping into it where you really have intuitions where mm. you start knowing stuff like that. It ain't strictly gender specific. Mm. Okay. How do you view yourself as a father? I feel like I'm a decent father. And I say that because I know there's areas of improvement that I need to work on. Which are what? One of them, I definitely need to start working as much. Okay. But I do that just because I'm a planner. And given that we tend to not have a lot of discipline mm-hmm. in our intimate life, it causes these brand new lives to come <laughs> unexpectedly. And so I'd be feeling like I'm behind financially on providing for them the way that I would have ideally wanted to provide for them. So I definitely be putting in a lot of hours in the office, especially mm-hmm. in the summertime where, you know, kids are out of school mm-hmm. and the schedule is a lot more lax. So that's one area I know I need to improve on. I feel like I need to improve more so on... I got to navigate discipline, disciplining an older kid versus toddlers. Mm. Because my wife will say, because my oldest son is a good kid and that he listens to me, she's like, you treat him like he's grown too much. And that's because he's such a responsible kid. Mm -hmm. And I will get carried away with like, like, okay, I put all the other kids to bed. I'll be like, all right, Harvey, um, turn the lights off when you come up. And he'll be like, okay, dad. And he'll just be at the table coloring. I'm like, hold up, wait, you're still four. <laughs> I still gotta tell you to go to bed. <laughs> but it's like he don't he don't give me any problems. He went through that stage that all the little kids go through, which is like between one to three, where they really having that terrible twos acting out stage. Mm-hmm. But I remember my folks always say, if you get them trained between the ages of one and three, you're not really gonna have any problems out of them. And so since I never had any problems out of him after that, I pretty much was treating him like he was grown. I come home from work. He was like, Dad, how's your day? I'd be like, man, let me tell you what these white people do. <laughs> so he's calling me, talking about, yo, can you, can you put $500 on Apple? And I'm over here like, that's going to be a wash sale if I do that. Mm. And she's like, you talk to him like he's literally your age. Four. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, I do got to reel that in because there's still that I still got to get you to adulthood and I got to mm-hmm. navigate you know, the rest of everything. But outside of that, I feel like I'm very intuitive that I actually listen and 
I allow, I'm one of the few black parents that I believe in talking back. I will argue with a kid. I mm. got time mm. because I want you to, I want you to be expressive in your communication skills. Explain to me why you feel like you deserve another cookie. Mm. Explain to me why you feel like you deserve to stay up later. I got time. We can argue. If you present a good argument, I may actually let you get your way. Mm. I like that. I might, I might have to stay with that. I like that. Yeah. Cause I hated <clears throat> that. Don't talk back to me stuff. Mm-hmm. Cause my parents did that all the way till I was 18 years old. And then they wonder why me and my siblings don't tell them nothing now. <laughs> like you said, don't talk that. back to you. I feel that how you start is how you, <clears throat> you finish. finish. You can't create this space of I'm, I'm not one of your little friends. I'm the adult. You, the child, you do as I say. And then when I get grown and I ain't really trying to be around you because I know you don't validate my feelings. You don't care what I have to think. Mm-hmm. But now all of a sudden you acting interested. No, nah, that's weird. You mm-hmm. know, keep that same energy. Mm-hmm. It's been established. Mm-hmm. I like that. Last question. Give us some fatherly advice. I'll say fatherly advice is to just try mm-hmm. to genuinely just try because too many dads psych themselves out. And I'm like, all I ask my homeboys, whenever they tell me that they got a girl pregnant, I'm like, do you want the kid? And if they say, yeah, but they'll have, but I ain't got this, you know, I ain't got, I was like, I ain't asked you all that. Do you want the kid? That kid is going to love you no matter if all you've provided for that child is a cardboard box. Have you seen the pursuit of happiness? You mm-hmm. see how tight Will Smith was with that little boy? Mm-hmm. And he ain't had nothing to give that kid, but he loved him. That's really all they want. They want you to love them and to just validate them and know that when the entire world against them, you in that corner, that's all you got to do. People going to make you think, oh, you got to have money. Oh, all you have to do is have money. You don't really have to spend time with the kid. My dad really didn't spend time with me. Yes, you do. Okay, your dad didn't really spend time with you. Let's really evaluate how you and your dad really interact. How do you truly feel about him? Like, if he stepped off the scene today, if he passed away, how would that really affect your life? Mm. On Mother's Day and Father's Day, which one are you more geeked for? Like, be real. And if that's how you are with your dad, are you trying to repeat that same cycle? Mm. Because it's too much of this, oh, I got to do this. Or you have the other fathers who really feel like they got to make a man out of their son. Like, you know, their daughter's sweet as pie, but their son, you know, you just got to be tough. One issue that I want everybody to know is stop wanting a son because you can be a lazier parent. Mm. I've heard too many people tell me that I want a daughter because I don't want a daughter because you got to actually try with a daughter. They have feelings and there's so many other ways you can mess up a daughter opposed to a son. I'm like, no, no, no. You just feel like when you make mistakes on a son, you can just tell him to man up and get over it because he's a man opposed to a daughter. You actually got to stand in your mistakes. Mm. Don't do that. Because these people don't really want sons because they want to pour into them and give them what they never had. They want sons. So if they F up or if they smoking around the kid and all that stuff, you can choke it up as, ah, he a boy. Mm. He going to rub it off. Mm. Like, no. Both mm. kids, while they should be parented differently, they should be given the same energy from you. Mm. I like that. I like that a lot. We're going to end it. This was good. This was definitely... Let me see. All the episodes out there, I would say this, was, this, this, this would be top five. Oh, this, this was top like five. That. This vibe was dope. I didn't know what to expect, but this was, <laughs> this was good. This reminds me the first time I recorded with Kiara, and yeah. I, I lost that original episode. Oh, yeah, but that, that, this reminds me of that. Like, the vibe was great. Where can yeah. they find you at on social media? Y'all can find me on Twitter as VA's Finest 757. That's V E E 
Finest757. And then anywhere on Instagram, MacAllister Dynasty. You know, I have nothing to promote. I'm just a dad out here trying to give America more wholesome black people. Mm. All right, man. Y'all know y'all can find me, man. Uh, Baby Daddy Chronicles Pod on Instagram. Like I said, I'm going to start using Twitter more because Instagram with all these reels and stuff, I, I ain't with all that. Um, the Twitter is Baby Daddy Cron. And then on Facebook, Baby Daddy Chronicles. If you want to start a podcast, com. You know how we sound. Pristine, I'm going to get you right. You're paying for the quality, as you already know. This is an Average Joe Media production. And yeah, I'm 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 gonna definitely get you back on for that postpartum one because I definitely want to talk about that. Let me know. Most like that? me and my wife, I will say our marriage has gotten better as the years have gone mm. on because I feel like we just didn't know what we was doing in the beginning. Okay, most death. And uh, I appreciate you getting on. And I'm gonna see y'all next week, man. It's your future favorite baby daddy signing off. Peace. As a father, guess I feel like I'm somebody My life is my kid, so I tell about it And I swear it's all about that Baby daddy, I ain't a baby daddy I ain't a baby daddy Baby daddy Baby daddy, I ain't a baby daddy